Well, familiar spot for Jim Sarb if you've caught uh, my Zoom interviews with him, many of which happened during the pandemic. Now, of course, I get to give him real life hugs often when I meet him on ground. How are you, my friend? I'm good. How are you? We just met recently. How did you like the concert? I thought it was remarkable that Maestro Zubin Mehta, you know, touching close to 90, what is he, 87, 88, is actually there, you know, holding his own, conducting the Symphony Orchestra of India through Mahler and Schubert and Mozart. He's really, we, we ought to be proud of, uh, of him being Indian, him being Parsi. And I just thought it was spectacular. I mean, I, I shed a tear or two. What about you? What did you think? No, yeah, same. Just thinking about the longevity of some people and how they just managed to keep working and they're so sharp, well into And maybe it's a thing where the work itself, a dedication to the work itself kind of feeds that anti-aging process, you know? I think when you have nothing to do or if you stop using the brain muscle, then maybe the, your decline into old age is more steep or more worrisome because... I recently did a play at the NCPA written by a reading of a play written by this guy named Dr. Farooq Udwadia, mm-hmm. who, at least in South Bombay and even beyond that, is a very, very, very well-known and respected doctor, particularly because of his um, diagnosis. His diagnosis is spot on. And at the age of, I think, 82, he's written a play about his mentor, Albert Schweitzer, and wanted it performed and has seen it performed two years in a row as well. I just find it incredible. So similarly, similar feelings with him. And of course, I've never spoken to Mr. Mehta, so I don't know what drives him. But it's clear with Dr. Udwadia that this desire to keep working, keep exploring, it's very, must be, it's very crucial. It, it's just starting to feel like it's a very crucial element of staving off. And and you're, you're right. I mean, in you being from the theater would appreciate that even more. It's not just about the performance, as it were. You see these furious videos of Mick Jagger, what he does before a show. And he mm. has a choreographer coming in and he actually practices those dance moves, which we think are infinitely spontaneous and on the spur of the moment. And mm-hmm. he's jumping around, you know, doing the full physical activity as he would uh, yeah. on stage. And they tell me Maestro Zubin Mehta was in two days prior to the show doing day-long rehearsals. So I think it's not just in the performance itself, but the rehearsals. The preparation. The, the yeah, preparation. the preparation. Yeah, yeah. Made in Heaven is getting a lot of love. Do you feel now, with a couple of seasons, you could just walk on the set and be Adil without batting an eyelid? Or yeah, I think so. Does it take I some think, work? No, it pretty much is that. You've set, the, you've set the, to use a music metaphor, it's like the record with many tracks is already kind of ready. You just have to get the pin and put it into that groove and the song starts playing. And I feel it's similar in this. Not only is there a familiarity with the character, there is familiarity with the team. A lot of the 80s were the same. The production designer was the same. I know the the DOPs from before. The directors are the same. It's like you've kind of fit into the groove of what this character is. In addition to the fact that you've It's not like I walk on set with no preparation. I always do prepare my lines as much as I can because (laughs) there's a whole debate going on just now about preparation and something. Anyway, that aside, actually, I love preparation and I push for all my scripts to try to come at least, at least a month and a half before I have to go on set because I really want to practice the lines, practice the lines and practice the lines until it's almost second nature. So I don't have to think 
about what I have to say next. I can really be there reacting to everything that's being given to me. And so much is being given to you, right? The costume is giving you something. The new hairstyle is giving you something. Your co-actor is giving you something. The directors are always tweaking, editing, changing things. The frame itself, if you go and check it out once, is giving you something. So to be fully prepared to be able to react to all those things you're being given then I think the only solution is preparation and repetition of your lines. So you, you have them in your back pocket. It's a little bit easier for me with Adil because it's English, more English than Hindi. True. So. True. I'm curious to know how this pans out. Now, for example, Radhika Apte would mm. only work with Neeraj Khevan, the director, because she features only in his story. Right. Characters like Adil, characters like Kalki's character, or Sobita, you are in each episode, if not every episode, and this is a plethora of directors. Are your scenes shot specifically by a director or two? Or do you shoot with the director who's doing that particular story that you're featuring in? Exactly that. Uh, we shoot with whichever the director is that is shooting that episode. So you wind up getting, you know, everybody's flavor towards the character. Oh, that's lovely. It's actually quite interesting because um, I always feel the collaboration is the, the best possible tool for creating an interesting character. I mean, you can go off by yourself and you can prepare as much as you can. But as they say, two heads are better than one. Yeah. So similarly, if you're able to absorb the different suggestions from the different director into one character, actually you're getting a richer, deeper, more layered character as a consequence. And of course, it still has to be consistent. So you have to work for that consistency. But that doesn't mean you can't take a suggestion and find a way to still allow it to play out within the consistent character that you've been playing. Also, everybody surprises you. So if you have a strong idea of what your character is and someone suggests something that you may not have thought of or you may not have thought the character would do there's always an interesting way to kind of find how the character might do that in a way that is surprising to you and the character and consequently the audience speak to me uh, since i mentioned Neeraj, speak to me about him because what an interesting voice i mean i loved masan i've loved everything that he's done and he's so particular about the fact that he is from the minority community. He is a Dalit and he is a Dalit filmmaker who will address issues concerning his community, which I think is so remarkable in this day and age. And then the other end of the spectrum, you have somebody like Alankrita, whose films like Lipstick Under My Burka have really broken down stereotypes in this country. And of course, Rima and Zoya who are the usual suspects who've lived and, and breathed this show. And Nitya, of course. So talk to me about each one of them, maybe a couple of lines for each of them. Well, Neeraj was the only new one this season. Uh, uh, he took over from Prashant Nair, mm -hmm. who also extremely talented. The, his show came out this year called The Trial by Fire. I don't know if you watch it. Trial by Fire. Wonderful. Prashant. Mm -hmm. Really very good. Very good show. Really cleverly and carefully directed uh, with Neeraj. It was interesting. Neeraj... See, I don't know how he directed the rest of the wedding because I just wasn't there. I can only really talk about my scene, my scenes with him because that's what we kind of interacted with. As far as the guy goes, I really like him. He's a great guy. He's funny and he's playful and he's sharp and he knows what he wants and that's always a pleasure. But as far as the direction goes for, over, for the scene, I know that he was pushing me to be a bit more, a bit sharper with my sister i think there's that scene where she's come into the office and i have to go over there and kind of interact with her and he wanted me to play it a bit more aggressive bully than i may have immediately come with so 
I remember that being fun as a consequence because you have to tweak slightly what you had planned and you know what you had prepared and yeah. So that was my that's my big recollection of him. I remember particularly being in a lower parallel office upstairs and being like, "Oh, more, okay, okay, cool," and um, trying to figure out how to do it and still, you know, do that thing where it feels consistent all the way through. As far as the rest go, there's so much familiarity from first season. You know, it's like we already had our discussions and what I consider like important. You can use the word friction, I guess, just where two ideas are rubbing up against each other, and the two have to figure out their mutual compromise between them. So that was all kind of already done, you know. So this season was a lot easier. Firstly, it was great to be there after COVID, right? Secondly, we're shooting during while the pandemic is still kind of on, so there'd be moments of setup and and then pack up and then setup again and then pack up and again. So I think we were all just. Glad to be there, interacting, getting the show done. Finally, we knew that it had been a long time coming. We knew we wanted to finish it well, and we needed to kind of up the game from the last season. So,、uh, Rima had never directed me before. She directed me very briefly in this as well, but very clear knows what she wants. Also, they're just fun and funny, and the the feeling on set is, you know, not that we aren't being slow. We're at an actually incredible pace. They had a great first AD. Who was really good at keeping things clicking along, clicking along. So you never felt that oh, I'm just kind of sitting around on this set. You really felt that you're there for a reason, and we're here to get the work done. But in spite of that, it was a very relaxed and kind of fun set. A lot happens with Adil in this particular season. He's dealing. I mean, this cat and mouse game between Sobita, his character, and、uh, Adil, you know, is is just fantastic. Tara and Adil.、Mm. She's、mm. extremely manipulative. He finds out to his utter dismay that he's been played a lot. But then you go, well played. When he gets some skeleton stumbling out of her her closet, namely the boyfriend, and you、mm-hmm. go, now Adil's getting smarter. He's working this deal out till you know he does、not、something、so、really、fast. stupid, and I'm not going to give any spoilers away. But he does something which is、mm. is actually a, a consequence of of vulnerability, if I can put it this way, or at least at least sexual vulnerability. But the point I'm trying to make is is that there is also that that festering relationship with the mother. She finally、mm. realizes that it's not her son who's the villain. And you know,、mm. Tara is not this holier than thou kind of woman. So you must have enjoyed things that are happening to Adil, vis-a-vis Tara, vis-a-vis him now getting ready for fatherhood, vis-a-vis him and his mother's relationship. Talk to me about that. You know, it's an it's interesting that you're asking that because yeah, this season, I mean, literally has a line which is saying that every woman in my life is throwing me a surprise party, and you know, I don't think he、yeah. imagined he could get a woman pregnant. So that's Incredible! I don't think he, in his wildest dreams, I don't think he thought that his father had a whole separate life. I think he thought he was the wayward one. He was the one that you know is an entitled brat that's fucking it all up. I don't think he, in his wildest dreams, imagined that that had happened and that he was just kind of repeating history. You know, it's like Bulbul says about his kid. Maybe he went on. Maybe he went on his father. And that's essentially, I think, true in the case of Adil. But he just didn't know. He just didn't even know that he was unconsciously so connected with his father in this one particular way of having this separate life and a secret life and keeping secrets in general. And I think, despite the fact that Tara, you know, who 
I also feel it's interesting. Tara had some options at the beginning. Tara can say, even though the mother is upset and is clinging to her, that, you know, this is really not my place, ma'am. I'm so sorry. Adil, this, I'm going to have to go. Okay. I mean, that, that option was there. Is she doing it out of niceness? I don't know. It's a complicated decision, don't you think? Why do you think she's doing it? Why do you think she's staying there and being this support for the mother, even though that time has passed? Just out of, I guess, out of niceness, right? And out of some kind of sense of continuity and familiarity. And I was your support and your pillar while I was there. So I understand why you would need someone to lean on in this moment. The mother seems to choose the safety of Tara over the safety of Adil also quite yeah, clearly. Well said, yeah. I wonder what's going on there. I don't think I've fully wrapped my head around it. I don't think I've fully understood it. Because I feel in a similar situation, if I've just gotten well, separated from my partner and their parent needs me, and I was with the I was, you know, very close to the parent. Hmm. But it's not like she was close to the parent in a way that she was madly in love with her it was more out of duty i always felt during the first season it was more out of duty right you didn't really see so i wonder how that continued going because in that moment it would have been very easy for adil to say you know the person you're leaning on she's a snake let me yeah. tell you how everything happened which he does not and when she brings it up to him he says of course i haven't told anyone mm -hmm. you know when they're sitting in the courtroom he says no of True. course i haven't told anyone which is you know, I think that's the that's the thing about Adil is it's easy to write him off in some ways, and then he does some things that you're like, oh, that's quite honourable, actually. Oh, that's quite big of you, actually. Yeah. You know, within your cache of secrets, you're good at keeping other people's. Yeah. Interesting couple of years for you. I mean, here you back last year in a Sanjay Bansali film. I mean, very very different from Malik Kafoor in mm -hmm. Gangubai Kathiawadi, and then uh, Ashima's Mrs. Charity versus Norway. I don't know a single mother on this, you know, who's seen that film and not wept buckets. I have mm -hmm. my wife next to me just weeping through Mrs. Charity versus Norway. Another very interesting character, the Daniel Singh Kupek guy. So enjoyable isn't it you know uh, and ashima is somebody you've not worked with before ashima is the very first no. time so i'd like you to comment on both gangubai as well as mrs charity gangubai was so long ago <laughs> always a pleasure to work with mr bansali i mean we all know that he's extremely talented and so clear in what he wants and you know i spend my time on those sets just you know a bit nerve-wracked because i really want it to be good and i don't want to mess up my lines and Sometimes it's really complicated, the lines that I have, and sometimes I haven't had the amount of time I would really love to prep for it. So I'm a bit, I'm a bit, you know, on uh, Sanjay Lila Bansali set, literally everyone else seems better prepared than me. I remember the first day of Padmavat, it was my first day on this set that I'd heard a lot about, you know, you're working with someone who's an author, who's, you know, considered other people would really, you know, would would very happily kill me and take my place you know essentially and oof i mean the scene it turned out into it turned into a good scene it was a scene with me and kilji where somebody comes in and says that we have to change our attack plan or whatever and he says you know he says something else and he turns to look he does a sweeping move he just does a sweeping move and stares at me and i pretend to look like really terrified by the news and then we burst out laughing you know like hysterical laughing and it turned into a wonderful scene but i was so nervous so nervous i didn't feel i was prepared enough 
I had come from Nirja and Rabta, which was a Nirja. You didn't need to even, you know, the camera followed you. You didn't have to hit a mark and get eyeline perfect and not move your eyes too much in between two different eyeballs because he doesn't like that shiftiness. And there were all these things I had to kind of pay attention to that I never had to before. And I was fumbling and stumbling my with my lines and everything. And I remember Ranveer just sat there without one peep. Just I mean, of course, he knew all of his lines and he was superb. And he just sat there without one single peep. And I remember at the end of the day, he put his arm around me and was like, so first day, okay, right? And then it all just got kind of easier from there. But so I remember this. I remember having, I always, you know, even in Gangubai, I have this thing of like, I just want to get it right. And because, you know, you have to do the full scene and all the magnifications, not just, you don't punch in for a line. You know, there's the wide and then there's the mid wide and then there's the two shot and then there's the close up and then there's the over the shoulder and you kind of have to nail the full scene each time. And of course, I like that pressure as well. So it's a mixture of like be feeling nerve wracked and also feeling excited. It's both. It's not just one. Yeah. And in this case, it was again, Alia was extremely proficient, talented, intuitive actor. Similarly, to Ranveer in the original. So I'm, you know, double nervous because <laughs> I'm on the back foot because of my lines. I remember reading it. I remember seeing how gentle he was and really appreciating that and appreciating the opportunity to play a very gentle character who loves her, but never even toes the line of going into behavior that could be considered not even inappropriate, that could be considered too showy. Or like an advance, he doesn't even toe the line, but it's clear. He loves her. He thinks she's just phenomenal. He's inspired by her. He remembers why he's a journalist in the first place. He understands that he's got an opportunity to serve someone more powerful than he could ever be. To just be a part of that. It was a very lovely and sweet role. I, I, I really enjoyed playing it. And that scene at the end when she's walking through the, um, when she's on the platform, you know, on the Jeep being carried through and I'm picked up by other people because she calls me over. Oh, what a moment. And I remember watching the scene and just being like, wow, it's, it's like magical, you know, because I'm there. I don't know how to get up. And then suddenly I'm just face to face with her. And it's like this, you know, the character has this feeling of like exactly imitated by the action. You know, sometimes the action just gives you everything you need to feel because the action just did it all for me there. I had all of these ideas of what I would feel when I saw her, but the action did it for me. I just had to feel that action of feeling suddenly off the ground, floating by the face of the person that you love. Oh, what a wonderful moment. So that's how he had picturized the scene. He had seen it in his head. Already, I think that's wonderful when somebody can see something in their head so perfectly and then they have the ability and the funds to achieve it. Wow. Mrs. Chatterjee. Mrs. Chatterjee. Mrs. Chatterjee. Okay, so Mrs. Chatterjee came at a time when I was obscenely busy. I think in the entire month of August, I had one day off or two days off totally. Otherwise, wow. I was shooting every other day. I was shooting for either... Bowman Shots, please, Rocket Boys, Made in Heaven, or Mrs. Chatterjee versus Norway. And I was kind of going from set to set to set. So I remember that initial initial period in Estonia being a mix of two things. One, 
feeling extremely tired and a little bit burnt out with the entire process. But two, being in Estonia and actually having a few days off there and being able to just like, ah, you know, this is one of the reasons that people do things is to travel to new places, experience the life and the culture there. So I remember being like, oh, it's so, so lovely. It was cold. So much of surroundings gave you the feeling of being there, of really being there, you know, not being walking onto a set. And, and I remember we were disagreeing, me and Ashima, about how the character should be because she had seen Made in Heaven season one and I was doing Made in Heaven season two at the time. And she wanted a similar sharpness and intensity of the character that you had in, that you had from Made in Heaven, which I wanted to tone down a lot because I was doing Made in Heaven 2 at the time. And so it felt like, why do the same thing in two projects? However, I understood her. I tried to understand as best as I could her reasoning for why she wanted it like that. And the reason is that Mrs. Chatterjee's character has to look suspiciously upon my character, right? So the sharper I seem, the harder to read I seem, the better it is for the overall narrative, which is you're seeing me through her eyes and through her eyes, I look untrustworthy. But I think we managed to make a softer character because the truth is when you finally found out at the end of the film, the truth is he's always been fighting on her behalf, actually. Yeah. He's never not been. And he really believes in the, the welfare of the children. So he seems like this sharp lawyer that is concerned about his own career, but he's very clear in his morals. I want what's best for the children. That's what happened to me. And that's what I'm dedicating my life to, right? So, you know, and sometimes this is what makes it fun is you both have two ideas and you have to find the midpoint between those two ideas that ends up being a bit better than both of your ideas separately. I think too gentle, the way I wanted to originally play it, would have not been suspicious enough. I think too suspicious would have seemed one so note. we came to this kind of conclusion where there are moments of softness and tenderness for her. And then there are other moments of absolute exasperation because he believes he's trying to do the best again for the kids, but she keeps speaking out of turn. She keeps doing things that are making this case extremely difficult to win. Yeah, you are, you know, and so then we added other different flourishes, you know, like we're walking into court for the first time. She's met me outside in the parking lot. I say, hi, 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 but I'm on a phone call and I kind of leave, which makes me seem like I'm uninterested in her. But no, it's just the European way. You know, it's like, I'm on a call. I'm not here to be like, hello, how are you feeling, auntie? You know, that that's not happening here doesn't happen. doesn't mean I'm not going to do my best for your case, right? Those two don't seem to compute in his head, at least. There's a whole uproar for a while about people not feeding each other and people not offering food and something in certain cultures. And they just were like, that's just not our culture. Like, you've come, your kid has come over, but now it's dinner time, so they should go home, you know, and eat dinner with you. So there's that. And then we added that, you know, that detail was always in the script. And then when she walks up, she sees me shaking hands with the opposing lawyers and, you know, all of these little, little things that are slowly adding to your suspicion of, of my character, which then, even if I play quite nice, you'll still feel suspicious. You'll be like, maybe when he's being nice, he's being manipulative. So, uh, yeah, I enjoyed that, um, discovering that character. They got a bunch of Estonian actors from there to play some of the other characters, and they were really very proficient very good actors. I, I, I was, I'm, I always love it when you go to a new place and you just meet really good, very intuitive and skillful actors. And you're like, oh man, even in Tallinn, even in Estonia, there's this culture of theater acting that really has made these actors very, very, very talented. It's wonderful. Wonderful.
they have an old town in Tallinn. Have you ever been to Tallinn? No, no man. I'm, I'm trying to go. Yeah. So just like many cities where they reserve, where they keep they keep one area that's preserved, right? The old quarter, yeah. Mm. The old quarter, the old town. Cars can't really drive around there. Everything is on foot. Everything is those you know cobbled cobweb-like streets, you know, trickling through everywhere. There has they have one in Granada as well. It's called Albaycin. Similarly, it's the old Moroccan part of the area, and they've left it as it is. Similarly, here, just what a pleasure to walk around, go into churches, taste the local food, sit out at the square where there are no cars. There's just thoroughfare people walking in and out. Sit there with an Irish coffee, watch people pass by. It's cold. You're all up. You're all bundled up in a coat. I had a great time in Estonia, actually. I really loved it. Lovely. Jim Sarb plays Adil Khanna in Made in Heaven. The new season is streaming on Amazon Prime Video. Please go watch. Give it a lot of love. I really appreciate your time, man. And uh, see you soon. Thank you for Thank this. Thank you, Rishi. Thank you, man. Bye. Take it easy. Bye.